Sorry? Yeah, we'll talk about you a bit. <laughs> Why don't we, we, let's do two things at once here. We are men, but I think we can do more than one thing. Is, uh, yeah, yeah, thanks. Uh, that is a joke, by the way. Uh, 1 Samuel. Can you go up there? 1 Samuel, I think it's chapter 16, verse 12b. If you're going to open up on your Bibles. Just going back to Hannes. Uh, I'm not going to tell you all of his story the last year, but uh, I think he's been a real model for us in repentance and turning to the Lord. And he's really been a, a great refreshment and enjoyment for me to work with him in the Lord. Uh, we really struggled to find each other when he was stepped down and then came back onto eldership. Like we just couldn't find each other. But it's amazing how by the Spirit. And it's, it's like, I was trying to work out like what do I need to do to, like, to sort of get him into his lane. You know, it's often how you try and like, you're trying to like do stuff. Um, and sometimes you need to do something, but it's, it was amazing how the Lord um, actually does it by spirit. And maybe as we're getting ready, I'll tell you what, what, we, what, what happened, which is quite unique for me. But I felt the Lord drop in my heart, just go on a surfing weekend with Hannes. I'm thinking like a surfing weekend with Hannes. <laughs> and, uh, and Ivan and a couple of other people went with, and we were supposed to like have a talk, you know, you know, like, you, know you have a talk. Like we're trying to like, you know, get, you know, we're like in marriage as well, like, you, like sometimes you have to have a talk to sort things out. But we didn't even have, a, even have a talk. We just found each other. It's amazing, yeah. So the point is, uh, it's been a great joy. And I was thinking I was praying for Mariska as well. Uh, I'm very excited what God's doing in you, where we're going. And uh, it also helps me give you this little uh, insight into where we're going. Uh, I, am, I need to work a little bit harder than I usually work over December even though they've shut the borders. So Hannes is going to lead in December, uh, maybe into January as well. So that's great that we can partner. Yeah, he, he is. So um, uh, just take note of that. But yeah, I just want to let you know it's been a great joy to work with him and go for it. Yeah, give him, give him, give him a hand. I don't see him yet, but where's Peter? Is he with the kids? Is he right there? Yeah, call him. Well, Peter's coming. Andre, I just want to say it's lucky to have you in church. Yeah, and uh, really nice. And I know God really enjoys you. So, yeah, just bless you. Bless you and your family as well. Um, cool. Peter, sorry I'm doing this to you. But, yeah, can I just talk to you from there? Is your wife here or just you by yourself? Is she upstairs? Yeah, let, 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 it, let it go. But uh, yeah, let it stay there. But Peter, sometimes the Lord wants to talk to you. Um, and I, I think He just touched my heart to encourage you on something. And I'm going to really keep it nice and short and not, not embarrass you in any way. But, um, and no one's spoken to me at all. Okay? But I, I just want to encourage you that you've moved forward more than you think. And uh, I, don't, I, I, I sense that the Lord's been carrying in His heart, even for, I don't want to say hours, but I just, it's like when I saw you, I felt the Lord saying, I've been carrying Him in my heart, and I want you to encourage Him. And, and this is what I want to encourage you with, is that you've moved further than you think. God's working with you. But there's something the Lord wants to adjust in you. I think you have a, a gift of analyzing things. 
I think you have a gift of uh, being quite decisive and even having an analytical, accurate mind. But sometimes that mind can work against you. And I saw you looking at yourself, and it's like a critical thought towards yourself came into your mind, and the Lord wants to help you with something. Sometimes, sometimes darkness comes, and it'll actually get you to agree with something about you and your walk with God. And God's saying, saying that I, I, want you to, I want you to see that critical thought that sometimes you have is actually not from me, and it's not beneficial for you, and I want to lead you beyond that. And uh, I'm going to ask Carlos. Carlos, can you come out quickly? Andre. It's hard to get you going. <laughs> I know. This is real life. Eh? Managing kids in church. Yeah, he's also giving directions while he's getting a prophetic word. I like it. But I just want to pray over him. Can you just put your hand on him? Lord, we want to, we want to celebrate this man. And Lord, right now, we ask for the spirit of the living God to come upon him. And Lord, I ask that there be a clarity in his thinking. And Lord, I'm moving forward in that critical thought. We come against it in the name of Jesus Christ. And Lord, let him see by your spirit. And Lord, we thank you that you're celebrating his walk. And he's actually further than he thinks. And we bless him today in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Bless you. Anyone else want an encouraging word? Yeah, you're done. Thank you. <laughs> you can go. <laughs> Shannon. <laughs> Shannon's not easy to prophesy, but where is she? There she is there. <laughs> All righty. Where's this message of mine? Eh? It's just somewhere. <laughs> All right, we're in Samuel 16. There we go. I love this Bible. I love this word. Why don't you turn there if you haven't turned there yet? Samuel 16. And the Lord said, Arise, anoint him, for this is the one. I like that. Don't the ladies like that as well? Like, this is the one. Yeah, it says, actually, to give a bit of context to that, um, it says that he was ruddy with bright eyes and good looking. Wow. <laughs> I'm a bit concerned about some of the married women going woo and celebrating. This is for the single girls. Come on, girls. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers, and the Spirit of the Lord came upon him, upon David, from that day forward. I want to look at the life of David with you. He was an incredible model for us. You know that he wrote 73 or 75 of all the Psalms. Now, if you've read the Psalms, this guy had real, real downs and real ups. He just laid it all out there. But it was a love story. It was a, it was a worship of his heart to God. If you look at his life, he, he, uh, he modeled worship. Passionate for God. 
as Abraham was to faith, so David modeled submitting to authority and recognizing God. Incredible walk of following the Lord. When, when he fell out of favor with Saul, just giving you the overall picture. When he fell out of favor with Saul, you know he was on the run for 13 years. 13 long years. And he had the presence of God with him and he had God's favor. Running from the palace to the desert. A great, incredible example. Was the king of Israel, a deliverer, became a mighty warrior. And he was known for his passion and his worship for God. And that's why I want to speak about something that we see in his life because of what we've been preaching about the last couple of weeks. He was a worshiper. Uh, just to go a little bit further, uh, the book of Acts says, and this is uh, Acts 13, verse 22, that David was a man after God's heart. How's that? Can you imagine if God said to one of us, yeah, I found a man after my heart. What an incredible testimony of the story of a man. And most of us know that he's famous for what? <laughs> Very good. Someone said Bathsheba. Dancing in his underpants. But I think the one that tops it all is Goliath. He took out the champion Goliath. And um, I want you today not to look at that story. But I want to look at and who was he and what did he do before he killed Goliath? That got God's attention. That God liked about him. That God enjoyed about him. And so... I'm going to look at three things, and they're going to be quite odd things in some ways, but I think great, great insights into just how I think how God values things and how we can learn from Him. So you ready? So I'm going to do, read a bit of Scripture, but um, let's go together. So I'm going to be reading now from, um, continuing to read. Uh, maybe the, the, our friend here can find me as we go along. But the first thing I'm going to look at, he was faithful with what was entrusted to him. So when we're looking at his life now, he was faithful to what was entrusted to him. So reading from chapter 17 now, verse 12 to 20. So it says, David was the son of Ephrathite of Bethlehem, Judah, whose name was Jesse, and who had eight sons. And the man was old and advanced in years. In the days of Saul, the three oldest sons of Jesse had gone to follow Saul to the battle, and the names of his three sons who went to the battle were Eliab, the firstborn, and next to him, Abinadab, and the third, Shammah. And David was the youngest. It's interesting how the Bible points it out. I think it is quite an issue. David was the youngest. I think to be the youngest son is to be at the bottom of the food chain. And the three oldest followed Saul, but David occasionally went and returned from Saul to feed his father's sheep at Bethlehem. Verse 16, And the Philistines drew near and presented himself, this is, this is now the champion Goliath, morning and evening. 
And then Jesse said to his son David, uh, I'm not going to try and contextualize that. It's going to take too long. And this is his father saying, Take now for your brothers an ephah of dried grain and ten loaves uh, of bread and run to your brothers at the camp and carry these ten cheeses to the captain of their thousand and see how your brothers fare and bring back news of them. So now Saul and they and all the men of Israel were in the valley of Elah fighting with the Philistines. And so David rose early in the morning, left the sheep with a keeper, and took the things and went as Jesse had commanded him. So a little bit of context. There's a battle going on. He's the youngest son. He's not invited to the battle. He's looking after a few sheep, and uh, he's working for his father, Jesse. And Jesse says to him, listen, I want you to go to the front line and take supplies. So just a little bit of an overview. If you read chapter 16, which I'm not going to do, on Sundays, David was leading the worship in the church. He was asked to take his harp, and because Saul was struggling with, uh, uh, um, they said, distressing spirits, and really was wrestling because the Lord had left him, they said they heard that this, this young man, David, was a worshiper, and so they said, Bring him here and let him lead the worship. And when he, when he worships God, somehow Saul will feel better. And the Bible actually says that Saul was refreshed and became well when David worshipped. Isn't that amazing? I think some of us need that, eh? Refreshed and became well. <laughs> but not only was he doing that on Sundays and Mondays, he was carrying a supply line to the brothers. It was a courier business. He was head of communications. He had to communicate between Jesse and the army. And he was looking after, what the Bible says, a few sheep. This is, this is real life. But there's some keys here that I just want to, want to show you that um, I think are really pertinent, pertinent to what we're talking about. Uh, he was a faithful man. He was faithful to what is entrusted to him. Now, I'm not sure if this is your understanding of faithful, but I've been in church for quite a while, and generally we, we link faithfulness to just, you know, keeping on. Uh, just keep on coming. Keep on doing what you're doing. That's being faithful. Actually, the Bible doesn't um, understand faithfulness as that. Just quickly, uh, Matthew 25, the guy that is entrusted with one talent and he brought it back. That's being faithful. God said, no, 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 no. I want return on this thing I've given you. Where's the guy that I gave two talents to? He's brought back five. That's a good and faithful servant. So when I speak about faithfulness, it's different to often how we've interpreted faithfulness. So David was faithful to what was entrusted to him. Can I go on a little bit of a rabbit hole here? Okay. Um, if we read, I'm just going to talk that to you. If we read, uh, he, was telling, he was telling Saul about his work. And he said, listen, yeah, when a lion or a bear come against me, I attack that lion and I protect the sheep. And I often I rescue a lamb from the lion's mouth. Not a sheep, a lamb. What we're seeing is that not only was he faithful over the sheep, but he was actually looking out for the increase that his father wanted. 
He was exceptional in the way he worked. He was a faithful man. And it caught the attention of Saul. If you've been around with me for a while, you probably have heard me say this, but I'll say it in case you haven't heard it. Uh, the word work and the word worship in the Hebrew come from a very similar word, evodah. And so the Hebrew mindset is very different to us Western mindset, is that they see life as a whole. We compartmentalize. In the church, we speak about secular work. In the Bible, there's no such thing as secular work. So anyway, so work and worship are in some ways linked. And so David understood this. And uh, another word that comes from work is the word, the word management. Uh, in my mind, management is, and there is a real definition, but in my mind, management, and this is something that David was doing faithfully, is, is the effective and efficient care or stewardship of another person's resource in such a way that you benefit that person. I can give it in many details, but it's, it's, it's you, you look after that thing in such a way that it's better for the one who's entrusted you. Now, you might be thinking, yeah, Grant, you've been reading some MBA book, and now you're just going to you know, pump into the church. Just keep to the Bible. Just stick to the, stick to the man in the plane. But let's actually go and read there quickly. I'm actually going to read it to you. Verse, 20, verse 34 in chapter 17. Go with me quickly there. Verse 34. Let's see what, what the Bible says about how David saw things. He, it says, your servant used to keep his father's sheep. Now he's talking to Saul. We're looking to the ways of David. We're looking into how he thinks and what God liked about him. And when a lion or a bear came and took a lamb, not a sheep, out of the flock, I went out after it and I struck it and delivered the lamb from its mouth. And when it arose again against me, I caught it by its beard and struck it and killed it. Man, this is a real man. Your servant has killed both lion and bear. And this uncircumcised Philistine. Okay, we're not going to get there right now. But it's like, this is good stuff. He had a different attitude, a different posture. He was a faithful man. He worked hard. It says he woke up early. He entrusted when he was Going, leading the worship on Sunday, he entrusted the sheep to a carekeeper, a, a sheep, a, a, a shepherd, another shepherd. He, he just, he did well with what he was given. It's a great thing that we see in his life. Not only did he do this, not only did he, did he look after the sheep, run the errands for his father, but he also developed his skills. He developed his God-given skills. Look at chapter 16 there, verse 18. This is one of the servants that heard about, about David. They said, look, I've seen a son of Jesse who is skillful in playing and a mighty man of valor, a man of war, prudent in speech and a handsome person, and the Lord is with him. I, I think this guy had a gift of encouragement or maybe it was prophetic, but that wasn't really accurate where David was. When he, was, he, was not, he was not fighting any battles yet. I think it was a little bit of a, of a, of a spin report. But definitely got, the king's, um, got the, king's, the king's attention. But he was skilled in playing the harp. So not only was he looking after sheep, 
Not only was he doing the work for his father and, and securing the lambs for a good return of investment, but he was developing his skills. I want to talk to the young men and women. Developing your skills is so, so important because it's your God-given contribution to the church and to the world. Do you know that in South Africa, we have a massive crisis? Can I just educate you a little bit? We have a proper crisis. We have a skills crisis. Not a job shortage crisis. Our problem is we actually haven't got people to employ. It's now become a spiritual crisis. So to think that this is just, you know, a secular thing, now this doesn't involve us, no, that's crazy. It's now for us as a country become a spiritual crisis. Do you know what someone does when they grow up and they're 20 years old and they've got no skills? They're angry. And they don't, they're, not, they're not sure who to blame. It becomes spiritual. It becomes life changing. I want to say to you that to develop your skills is a God-given responsibility. And to find out what you're good at is a God-given responsibility. Find out what you're good at. Find out how God's called you to contribute. I wonder if, I'm being a bit naughty now, but I wonder if some leader saw David playing the harp and said, hey bud, that harp thing is wasting your time. There's a real battle going on here. Come on. It's like, I think sometimes we, we need eyes to see what God's doing in someone's life. And how do we strengthen and encourage that? But skills and your God-given skill and developing that skill and finding out what that is, is such an important part of your worship of God. It's, it's how God's made you. It took me many, many years to find out what am I good at. And some of you are wondering, I wonder, is he actually good at anything? <laughs> but it, it often we can struggle. Let me talk to the side a little bit. It's, um, we can struggle to find out how do we contribute. And when you know what you're good at, you can build around that thing. I'll, I'll give you a little insight. I don't move away from what I'm skilled at too far in my working life. And I try and do that in church as well. Why? And you can say, well, no, 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 hang on a bit. No, we don't, we don't work like that. Where, wherever there's a need, that's what you must. No, no. There's a re you can't have the mechanic work on your teeth. It's not going to go well. It's like we, we, we need to be well positioned to, to have what God wants from us. And so I've learned that I, I, I focus and build around what am I good at. And then team is who, who, who strengthens where we're going. And, and that's just the reality of life. And I want to encourage you that your skill is what will open up tomorrow. The skill of today that's developed will open up the doors of tomorrow. So David was a skilled harp player. And that thing opened the door for him to stand in front of Saul. And Proverbs says, I'm not sure exactly in Proverbs, I've got it just somewhere, but Proverbs says that a man who is... Um, 22, 29, if a man is skilled in his work, this is the Bible, he will stand before kings. 
So I'm going to ask you, so can I, can I, by all this, can I just talk to the youngsters a little bit, do you mind? And, and all of us need to actually hear this, because whatever level of life you're on, you're developing something. So this is not just for the young, but I want to say to you, it's crucial that you hear what I'm saying. Because we hear it from our parents, and we think, man, I don't want a life like you, uh, and what must I do? But it's really important to develop who you are for the glory of God. And David did this well. He was a worshiper. He, he loved God. I'm going to land now. So he developed his skills. What's interesting is, actually, let me just labor this one a little bit more. What's interesting is that killing the bear and the lion was God's way of forming him, preparing him to kill Goliath. What you'll find is that wherever you are in your life right now, it's perfectly designed, the difficulties are perfectly designed to train you for where God's taking you. So let me say it again. Wherever you are right now in your life, it's perfectly designed to train you for where you're going. So how does God father us? God will father us in what we're facing. He will, he will form us. He will show us what He's doing so that He can move you forward. And so David, in a sense, was being formed and fathered uh, by God in that situation, developing his skills so that he could come into more and do what God required him to do. Think about it. It's very encouraging, actually, because nothing's wasted. Nothing's wasted. And often I asked the Lord, I said, Lord, I can see this trials coming around again. Uh, maybe a little, a little freebie for you. In the kingdom, you don't fail. You just retry. So when, you, when, you, when I see that trial coming again, I say, oh, God, here it comes again. Okay, Lord, why are you teaching me? And how must I learn? You know, you want to be teachable. You don't want to waste your trials. If you waste your trials, they just keep on coming. The same ones keep on coming. Learn new trials. <laughs> Make new mistakes. And so God was fathering him. And then... I saw this, and I want to sort of end with this part, which lies up more with the worship. Is through all of this, he's looking after sheep. He's even his his wrestling with Saul. It was perfect environment to make him. David didn't just fall out of the sky. Leaders are made. Uh, God's making you. But he learned, to, he learned to walk with God and he learned to be a worshiper. Remember I'm saying God found him to be a man of his own heart. He learned to walk with God and he learned to be a worshiper. Let's go to the Word again. I'm going to read from verse 34 to 37. Do you want to open, put it on the screen for me? Chapter 17, yeah, 34. So your servant, this is David speaking again to mighty uh, Saul. 
Your servant used to keep his father's sheep. And when a lion or a bear came and took a lamb out of the flock, I went out after it and I struck it. Remember, this is a big warrior of the whole army. Little David, still teenager. This guy, then Saul's checking him out when he's talking. I went after it and I struck it and delivered the lamb from its mouth. And when it arose again, Against me, I caught it by its beard and struck and killed it. Your servant has killed both lion and bear, and this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them, seeing he has defied the armies of the living God. Next verse. Moreover, David said, The Lord who has delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear, he will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. There was incredible element of God in what he did and who he was. He's aware of God. He's living with the Lord. He's looking to God. He's that, that thing of worship and work are being married for him. Just can I breeze a moment there? Do you know that it's possible? I've done this. It's possible. It's possible to separate yourself from God because of your thinking. It's possible to go to work and you see it as a necessary evil and you don't find God's presence and God's enjoyment and the wonder of God in what you're doing. It's possible to have that. And so, David is immersed in God's presence. I'm wondering, I'm wondering when, when God was, was skilling up David to kill that bear lion and teaching him. Those were David's battles. But actually what was happening, what, was, what God was preparing to do was not only fight his battles, but where they would partner in their battles. And so eventually God's battles became David's battles. And David's battles were God's battles. I wonder if that's true for you. So let me say that again in a different way. Are the battles you're facing, do you see them as God's battles? Because hmm. out of this, out of this walk, you know what Psalm 23 came out of this time of David's life. And what does Psalm 23 say? The Lord is my shepherd. I wonder how he saw it. Do you think that he could see that God is willing to kill the lion for him and kill the bear for him? Who taught David to kill the lion? Was it just because he was a warrior? Or was there God? Who kills a lion and a bear for a few sheep? Only someone who's devoted to God. This is, man, he, this is, a, this is a devoted thing. This isn't just doing a job. He's, he's got his eyes on God. There's a God element here that's so strong. And so he says, the Lord is my shepherd. He's resting in the strength of a shepherd who will trample on scorpions for him. Wrestle bears and lions. And not only is he declaring that and taking strength in it, but he's bonding with God. He learned to walk with God. 
my shepherd. Can you hear the heart of David? The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. And then he says, he makes me. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He understood that. Because he knew that sheep did not know where to go by themselves. He knew that he had to lead his sheep and take them there. And he knew that he could trust God to take him where he needed to go. Can you rest in the beauty and the power of God's word for you? He makes me lie down near quiet waters. I think that Saul was being refreshed from all of that that David had seen in God. And when he played that harp, all of that quiet waters and those green pastures, and the Lord is my shepherd, would, would roll over Saul. And you know why? Because Saul had been separated from God. And all he was left was left with was his own thoughts, his own wrestlings. We know that he struggled with jealousy. He was a dominating leader. What was happening inside of him? We know, we, we know that God had left him. There was no more mercy. There was, he had no understanding of being able to bring his life before God like David did. He had no understanding of, of turning to the Lord. He had no place to put all of his wrestlings of his heart. He was alone. He didn't understand forgiveness anymore. He had no sense of God is making a way for me. He was a man who was fighting his own journey, fighting for himself. But when David would come play the harp, all of that wonderful Psalm 23, uh, Saul couldn't understand it. But the Bible says he became well and was refreshed. Yeah. He makes me walk in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. See, it's like it's like everything, everything he's been he's done, he's been taught how to pray, he's been taught how to walk with God. He's he's now telling us he makes me walk in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. This is Christianity. Put it up for me, please. Psalm 23. I think the next one is, Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Oh, you had it. That's good. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Some things God takes you through. Think of the greatest battle you're fighting right now. Some things God takes you through and other things God rescues you from. It takes wisdom to know what He's doing and to work with Him. So though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. And you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. And you anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. 
and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So right out of his walk, we have this psalm that has impacted generation after generation. And we have an insight into the walk that he had with God. We have an insight into his worship of God and how God walked with him. And we're strengthened by it. Acts 13. Surely David was a man after my own heart. And later on it says, and he served my purposes in his generation. Let's stand together.